going to start. Um, I've already given you a choice this evening on the right-hand side, just for those listening to the recording. I've got a glass of muddy, murky, dirty water. And on the left-hand side, I've got a glass of pure, lovely water there. And we're going to come back to those in a minute. And someone, most of them, are going to keep their eye on the muddy water to make sure nothing wriggles out of it or anything like that. Cool. But um, we are going to continue tonight. But uh, we, I've got a talk for you that is actually outside of our ongoing um, theme of talks this term, which is about the Holy Spirit primarily. And last week, Ashley spoke about the Trinity very, very well, and hopefully that was helpful to you. And uh, tonight, I'm taking a step outside of that series to talk, uh, to do our termly relationship talk. And we do uh, one of these per term, as you might have guessed, and it's really addressing relationships. And that could be you and parents, it could be uh, you and friends, you and God, uh, you in any romantic relationship or anything like that, and we might address that as well. But tonight, actually, there is really only one point that I want you to remember, and that is... Purity leads to intimacy. Say it with me. Purity leads to intimacy. And I'm going to expand on that. And it's not what you're all thinking, I should imagine, about one particular relationship that's romantic and things like that. It actually applies to all relationships. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, But how about this? Uh, When uh, I was a kid, I remember uh, going to visit my dad's best friend in Scotland. And just like Craig, my dad's best friend is real. And uh, we went to Scotland, and he's like a big guy and very good with wood and stuff. And he was like, "Well, right, we're going to build a bridge and, uh, outside his house over a little brook. And I was like, oh, great. And I was only about eight or nine. And so I literally just followed him everywhere. I wanted to be friends with this guy and hang out with him and build this bridge with him. And I probably uh, annoyed him with my enthusiasm. Uh, I probably got too near to him sometimes and stood a bit too close for his liking. Um, and uh, I just desired something more in this friendship with him rather than the kind of standoffish friendship we had at the time. And uh, I just remember doing that and desiring this deeper relationship with this person who I just admired because they, they could do various stuff and, and they were a big person and I was like, oh wow, I want to get to know you. So maybe you've had a moment like that when you were a kid, when you just found someone you really admired, you wanted to get to know better like that. Or perhaps well, you've had a moment where uh, you were in primary school and you just decided, uh, like, like primary school kids do, or they see on a Disney film and they just go, I- I'm in love. I'm in love with that person. I- I've seen them across the hall and, and I'm in love and I- that's it. I'm done. I'm going to marry them. And they make a big old plan in their life. And you want them to ask you questions and you want to ask them questions and you want them to know you and you to know them. And you have this felt need for a deeper relationship suddenly. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know why. But there's that person. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's... That's maybe something that's happened to you. Or, or maybe you've seen other people interact with their parents or relatives or brother or sister. And uh, they have a really great relationship. And you know when you see like a really great uh, friendship? These days people would probably call like two really good friends that are lads like a bromance. Like a couple of my friends have said, oh, we have a bromance going on. And uh, like Nathan and Toby petting each other. Oh, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but maybe you see relationships, friendships like that, or brothers and sisters, parents and sons, parents and daughters, uh, guardians and daughters, whatever. Maybe you see that and you're like, oh, I really want that. They just seem... All right, boys, do I need to split you up? <laughs> um, you, you look at people like that and you think, oh, do, I just want that kind of relationship with another person. That's what I really want is another deeper level. And it might even lead you to a bit of envy. You might actually be a bit like, oh, I wish I had something like that uh, between me and my parents. I wish we trusted each other enough like that. And sometimes those kind of relationships are really attractive 
to us and we try and copy them or mimic them. But for some people, actually, the opposite effect happens. So they see a deep relationship between two friends, brother, sister, whatever, and it scares them a little bit because they realise that in these relationships that are really intimate, uh, the people actually know each other very well and they're, they're happy to be vulnerable in front of one another. And, and that can be scary. And actually, sometimes people can make attempts to avoid that kind of intimacy, uh, perhaps due to a painful past experience or uh, something else. Hi, Hattie, come in. And uh, maybe that's something that you connect with. Maybe actually you think, I don't actually want to have a really close friend or get on that well with my parents because I'm fear- fearful of being rejected or I'm fearful of, of the fact that they, they might not like me or they might not love me at all. And maybe that fear is real for you. And for me, I can only really parallel that with something I experienced in year seven. And uh, I had a different kind of fear of vulnerability. So when I went into year seven, I realised that at PE, you had to change your clothes. And that meant taking off clothes and putting on other clothes. And it was compounded by the fact that my PE teacher said if I forgot my kit, then I would have to do PE in my underpants. Oh. <laughs> that was an absolute nightmare for me. I, you couldn't have given me a worse situation. And there, you can put your hand up if you've got a question. Uh, we'll answer that one maybe another time. <laughs> This was about 20 years ago now, so it's just, yeah, no, but uh, there probably was, you're right. But uh, the point being, um, I was really scared of being vulnerable in front of other people. And then for me, that meant taking the clothes off, putting different clothes on. And you might just be able to parallel that with relationships and thinking, actually, being vulnerable with someone is something I'm really not that keen on, and I don't really want to do that. And that's, uh, that could be a reality for you, so I just want to acknowledge that. But I think you'll agree that we, as humans, have a deep desire generally for deeper, more intimate relationships. And I think everyone experiences that need for depth uh, with someone in life. And you might have seen the examples of this, like the good friends or the husband and wife or the brother and sister. But Christians get to build a relationship and friendship with someone that non-Christians don't. They get to know the wonderful God of the Bible, God the Father or God the Son, Jesus, or God the Holy Spirit, you can relate to all of them when you're born again. When you put your faith in Jesus, you immediately get this relationship where actually already God knows you inside out, and you get to spend the rest of your life getting to know him, and that's what Christians get. And last week, Ashley spoke wonderfully about the Trinity, and she was right to say that God is actually a mystery to us humans. And being imperfect and finite ourselves actually makes it impossible to imagine... Makes it impossible to imagine what being those things is like. Because we're imperfect, we can't imagine what it's like to be perfect. And because we're finite, we can't imagine what it's like to be infinite. And however, this perfection enables God to experience the greatest levels of purity and intimacy ever in relationships. Our God experiences pure relationship, being known and knowing the other persons of the Trinity, and pure intimacy as a result, being invariably attached to the other persons in the Trinity. It's how he's one, but three at the same time. And that is wonderful, and that is amazing, and that's something that we get to look forward to, and uh, something we get to receive. Um, But in the Bible, we get some glimpses of what these kind of relationships might look like, human to human. But you've got to remember that these are imperfect relationships. But I just wanted to highlight one to you. Um, that we'll look at for a second. It's from 1 Samuel 18, 
one, and it's between a guy called David, who you might have heard of, and a guy called Jonathan. And they had a really close friendship, and you can read about it in 1 Samuel. But in this verse, it says this. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And just for a second, I want you to close your eyes, Lily, Lydia. Close your eyes and imagine what it looks like for a soul to be knit to another soul. And you've probably got some kind of weird image with knitting needles and wispy stuff and things getting intermingled and twingled in together. And that might well be the case of what actually happens, we don't know. But this is what happened for David and Jonathan. They had such a close friendship that they had their souls knit together. And it didn't mean that they would have the perfect relationship, like God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But, you know, they might have fallen out from time to time. They might have actually sinned against each other, but then found a way to apologize, forgive, receive forgiveness, and then move on. They loved each other like brothers and sisters do, I suspect. And later in the story, David and Jonathan have a, uh, a real um, hard situation on their hands. And Jonathan actually saves <coughs> David's life uh, from his father Saul, and they depart as friends. And perhaps that's something that actually you can relate to. You can remember a friendship that you had maybe a, a long time ago, maybe only a short time ago, where you felt like, oh, we are really connected. We've, it's like our souls have knit together, but then actually you grew apart, or you had a big fight, and it didn't go so well. And you were hurt by that, right? Like that was painful to go through that process. And that's because the purity of that relationship was ruined by something. Now, I don't know what that might have been in your situation. It might have been uh, something you did to them or something they did to you. They might have uh, offended you in some way. But whatever it was, if it was sinful, well, then it ruined it. And as a result, you lost the intimacy, the closeness that you would have had before sin got in the way. So that's one example of purity leading to intimacy in a human relationship, something where people are so close and united that they're uh, really strong together. And there's many more examples you could give of relationships like that, like husband and wife, brother and sister, mother and baby, father and baby, and so on. Those, are some of those I mentioned are meant to be some of the purest relationships you can have. But what about humans and God? Well, the most obvious example for this is probably uh, answerable by you. Who do you think had the most pure human-to-God relationship? Jesus. 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 Correct. You guessed it. Well done. And <laughs> it probably wasn't that hard, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, fully human, fully God, absolutely perfect. He had the most intimate relationship with his Father in heaven. And numerous times, you can read about them in the Gospels, Jesus deliberately goes to take time just to spend with his Father in heaven. He wants to be near him, he wants to spend time with him. And he said, I only go and do what I see my Father doing. That's how close they were. And he demonstrated that actually it's possible to have a human-God relationship. And actually, a lot of people could see that about Jesus, I should imagine. They could see how well in tune he was with the Father and with the Spirit, and that was really, really attractive. And it should be attractive to you and I, and to your friends who aren't Christians. 
Has anyone had that situation where someone's just asked you why you are either happy some, most of the time or you're just a bit different or they see something about you and they're like, why are you like that? Good. Some people are nodding in the room, just so you know. And uh, that's great. That's God's spirit living inside you and coming out, beaming out of you. But I've got to be completely honest with you tonight. I didn't actually understand this until I was about 27, 26. I didn't get that actually the human to God relationship for a Christian is the best thing ever, is the most attractive relationship that there is. I remember when I got my head around it, and it would be amazing if, Lily, Lydia, Lily, can I sit over there? Because you've been chatting a couple of times. Go on, move. Thank you. Um, it would be amazing, okay, if you could get this now, if you could get this reality that actually the relationship between you and God is the most wonderful one around. Now, I spent years thinking that intimacy could be found elsewhere. I spent years thinking that intimacy, the best intimacy I could ever have was with someone, was with my future wife, for example. That was what I thought. And therefore, I started to idolise marriage. I started to think so much about marriage all the time that it actually consumed me. And I spent about six years doing this, and people would be like, oh, are you looking to you know, date anyone? And I'd, I'd lie, to be honest. I'd be like, no, not really. Just, you know, trying to live my life for God. And I, I knew I was just lying to myself and lying to that person. And I just denied it, basically. But I had this deep-set idol in my heart that meant, actually, I wasn't really looking for that relationship to be strong with God. I'd sit and think and dream and talk and fantasise about marriage. But then, in 2015... I went to a conference in Nottingham called Connect Conference, and they preached about singleness. And they preached about the amazing uh, benefits and joy that was to be found in not having another person in your life, and actually just being able to concentrate on that one relationship between you and God. And it really, really spoke to me. And like I prayed at the start of tonight for the Holy Spirit to come and transform you and change your heart, that's exactly what happened to me at the Connect Conference in 2015. God changed my heart. He made me see that my life as it was, as a single man in his mid-twenties, was actually great. And actually to be desired, because I could get up and spend as much time with God as I wanted with no distractions. And I could uh, take time out, take days out to go and spend with him if I wanted to. And after this realization came across my mind and my heart that when the truth sunk in, I got a really great level of intimacy with God. And it was that experience between me and my Father in heaven that liberated me to live a life to the full. Now, that isn't to me to say I don't live a life to the full now. I still do. I still enjoy it. But now, obviously, I am married, and that, is, uh, that changes the dynamic. But I just wanted to highlight to you one psalm, um, which Claire's going to talk about more on Sunday. Just a couple of verses from it. In Psalm 139, 1-4, we read this. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows me and he knows your innermost thoughts and desires you can't hide anything from him he can heart read if you like to use that term 
And humans can't do that, but God can. And he can respond to your every need. He can comfort you about that thing that happened to you that you've never told anyone. He can speak to you about that. He can give you peace. The peace that comes from knowing you are known. And Christians acknowledge this, and they have the purest, most intimate relationship going on earth today. But why is that, you ask? Well, that's because purity leads to intimacy. Christians are people who put their faith in Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, the one who we sing about, the one who laid down his life on the cross to make it possible to become pure in heart, to be free of sin, past, present, and future. Freedom and forgiveness of sin are only gained by faith in Christ. And that faith enables you to come into the very presence of the Father. Who remembers um, Francis Chan, who Hannah called Jackie Chan on the video, which was hilarious? Who remembers Francis Chan? Yeah. Do you remember that talk about how he said coming into the temple of God was this overwhelming moment of realisation? He was quoting Isaiah when he said, Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips. Well... Men and women who have put their faith in Jesus are men and women with clean lips because of him. Because he has replaced them. Because he has taken their sin on the cross. And that enables Christians to have that intimacy with the Father that Jesus has. God meets that human need for salvation from sin and the need for intimate, deep relationship through sending Jesus. So the question remains, what do you need to do about that? In order, what do you need to do about this? reality that he sent you as well. If you've been coming to Impact and Church for years and years, and you've seen people experiencing and describing this wonderful, pure, intimate relationship with God, but actually you've never had that for yourself, well then tonight's the night for you to put your faith in Jesus and receive forgiveness for your sin in order to start that relationship. And we'll come back to how to do that at the end. However, if you know that you're a Christian, you know you have a relationship with God, you know that you're saved, well, then there's a different question to consider. The question to consider, and this is particularly if you don't feel like you have an intimate, close relationship with God, Isaac, is this. Is there anything impure, sinful, going on in my heart or my life? Are there things that you've been saying or doing that you know are sinful? And these could be things like mocking others or looking at pornography or fantasizing through novels or just being hypocritical, being two-faced, saying one thing but then doing another. I had a discussion with someone today about that, how actually it's not a very good advert for Christians if you're a Christian who says that actually you're living your life for Jesus but then actually you're caught Stealing, or you're caught in some kind of. <laughs> or what did you say? That was really bad. Exposed, exactly. But if you're saying, if you're standing in worship, for example, and you're like, yes, your hands are praising, then actually you know that even earlier that day you you were you were doing something that was sinful. You were uh, allowing your mind to wander to to uh, lustful thoughts or something like that, and actually. That's something that, yes, as a Christian, you can receive forgiveness for, but actually, if we let those things build up, they become a barrier between us and God. Our relationship with God begins to look a bit more like the glass on the right rather than the glass on the left, in a sense. But actually, you know, as a Christian, all I need to do is 
is go to the Father, confess that sin, receive forgiveness, and you're back where you should be. But actually, um, I want to, yeah, but that, actually that's the re- reality of the situation. Or maybe, uh, something like the friendship I described earlier on, the friendship that I mentioned, maybe it's just the case that you know that you need to resolve something with a friend and admit that you're wrong. Actually, something simple has happened, you've had this uh, falling out or whatever, and you just need to go to them and hold your hands up and say, look, I really, I got that wrong, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to say that to you, please, would you forgive me? <coughs> and if you know that impure behaviour, that simple behaviour is going on in your life, then actually it's time to put a stop to it by the Holy Spirit. Because impurity prevents intimacy. But we'll come back to how we're going to do that at the end in a moment. Now, purity leads to intimacy. So having no sin leads to intimacy. Just like I described with you and the Father God. And it parallels to all your other relationships. If we pursue a life that is pure, we'll be living a life and I want you to imagine that life with me just for a moment, just to envision it in your mind so you kind of get something to go away with that you can think, yeah, that's where I want to be. And a life lived uh, pure would be lived with confidence. A confidence that comes from knowing that you are known by God, knowing that you are loved by God, and knowing that actually he will prompt you to change your heart and your behaviour at the right times. If you and I gain a really high view of what it means to be pure, and that's mental purity, emotional purity, spiritual purity, physical purity, then actually we would have an amazing life if we decided, I really want to go for that. I really want to make sure I stay on top of this. And uh, I just giving you, want to give you a quick idea of what it's like perhaps to be mentally pure. It means recording scripture. It means giving thanks. It means thinking about God. It means taking the time to spend with him. Well, Emotionally pure, taking every thought captive and submitting it to Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Or spiritually pure, undertaking adoration, confession and thanksgiving every day, refreshing your spirits. And God, come and fill me with more of you and less of me so that I can become more like you. Or even and physically pure, looking after your body, controlling what you put into it, i.e. food and drink. Or controlling what you do with your body, making the decision not to undertake any sexual activity that focuses on lust, but rather using your body to worship God, keeping it pure, keeping it until marriage, if that's what God calls you to, and keeping it pure even if he doesn't. If we could get this perspective on purity in our hearts and minds, just imagine the level of intimacy we would experience in our relationships with friendships, brothers and sisters, us and God, We'd be able to live a content life and have uh, that experience, which would be incredible. Now, we're just going to come back to the glasses of water. Which one would you choose? No. Uh, the clean one. Yeah. The one that's clean is good for you, I suspect. The one that's muddy, I suspect, is not so good for you. I drink the good water. It's okay. We are trusting you that they're both water. Correct. <laughs> 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 it's like, that one could be water and that could be like, sulfuric acid. That's what I just said. <laughs> 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 no, you're right. But actually, you get to make a choice here tonight. You get to ask God to come and make you pure 
like the water on the right. And I'm really speaking to anyone who's not made that decision yet to put their faith in Jesus and receive forgiveness for their sin and be made pure by what he did on the cross. That's what you might need to do. Or your response might be as a Christian uh, that actually you know there's a sin that you've been committing that actually you really want to stop but you're finding really, really hard. And you want the Holy Spirit to come and help you uh, be pure again. And it might be mentally, it might be physically, it might be spiritually or emotionally. You might be letting your emotions lead you into things that actually are not healthy. So we are going to finish very, very soon. Um, but I'd love you all just to sit up for a moment. And uh, I'm going to turn off the recording. Say goodbye, recording. Bye! Bye. Bye.